On Flag Day, who better to talk about the meaning of Flag Day than local historian Bev York joins us this morning. Beverly, good morning. I'm not sure if this is my idea or your idea, but I think we've never done this before, so I think it'd be kind of cool if you gave us a little background on what Flag Day is all about. Good morning, my friend. Good morning. Thank you. It's nice to be here. So why do we do this on June 14th? Is there some historical connection to it? Well, there is. On June 14th, this is the day that the flag, as we know it, was adopted in the Continental Congress. So it was June 14, 1777, um, a resolution by the Second Continental Congress to um, adopt the flag of the Stars and Stripes, Old Glory. It is not a federal holiday. It is only a state holiday in Pennsylvania, I guess. Um, but this is the day, June 14th. We learned this in school, but I think it's time for a refresher course, Red, White, and blue on the flag. What do those colors mean? Well, the red stands for strength, valor, and sacrifice. The white stands for peace and purity. And blue is a color that stands for loyalty, vigilance, perseverance, and justice. So some people just say sacrifice, purity, and loyalty. So that first American flag, was that Betsy Ross's doing? So before, the, before 1777, there were a lot of flags. Um, there were a lot of flags um, by the patriots and the rebels um, making fun of and contrasting the British flag. Um, but the Betsy Ross flag, which is uh, the stars, 13 stars and stri- 13 stars and 13 stripes, sometimes in a circle. The stars are in a circle um, on the blue field. And the story of Betsy Ross is that she, she was a flag maker. There were several, actually, in Philadelphia. Um, Philadelphia was a huge city, and there was a lot of um, shipping and... Um, so the ships all needed all kinds of flags, signal flags, and um, the Navy, the Pennsylvania Navy, had hired her to make their flags. So she was one of several flag makers in Philadelphia. And the problem with the story that we're not, that we call it a legend rather than fact, is because there's not enough documentation to prove it. There's no... Um, letter order ordering her to create the flag. There's no bill of sale that she got paid for creating the flag. But um, as the story goes, um, she was, well, let me tell you just a little bit about her. She was um, married three times because her first husband, Ross, was he was killed uh, in a cannon blast. And... Um, she was from a large family. She was the eighth of 17 children. There were nine children that grew up. That was not uncommon that a lot of children died, and a lot of them died of childhood diseases. She had twin brother and sister that died in the smallpox ep- ep- epidemic of 1762. Um, 
So what happened was she was visited by George Washington, Robert Morris, and George Ross. Now, George Ross and Bessie Ross, he's a relative of her husband, uh, an uncle. And he's actually a signer of the Declaration of Independence. So Robert Morris and George Ross were on the Continental Congress, and along with George Washington, they visited Bessie Ross and gave her their design for a flag. Uh, legend has it that she suggested the way they wanted a six-pointed um, star, and she said it's easier to sew a five-pointed star. <clears throat> so, Yeah, one fewer point. Yeah, what's your point? <clears throat> so anyway, that's the legend that, <clears throat> excuse me, perhaps she was the one that created this first flag for George Washington. <clears throat> So did she like actually sit down and sew it? Did she have a little sewing circle of friends of hers? Was it a, a one-woman operation? Okay, well, I'm thinking not. And the reason why is because in the 1770s, um, the Industrial Revolution had started already in England. They were mass-producing, um, spinning, and weaving. Started in the 1760s, and um, eventually... Uh, the Americans were buying, were purchasing uh, goods from England. So you could buy, you could purchase cloth already made. However, when uh, the unrest got pretty um, brisk with the, with the British, a lot of people boycotted British goods. They boycotted tea, they boycotted cloth, anything coming from Britain they didn't want to purchase. So, but to make, to create and spin all of the threads to make the, the fabric, um, I can't imagine that, that would be, you could really make a lot of flags by doing that. So she must have had people working for her, working with her, or she was having to purchase um, the threads or the woven cloth already to then sew the flags. So I'm, I'm thinking it couldn't have been a one-woman operation to make that first flag. Bev, we've done programs on the local graveyards, and one thing, as I, I sometimes like to explore graveyards, one thing people like to do is, oh, what's the oldest gravestone in this graveyard? But one distinct thing that's noticeable on all these old graveyards, especially here in New England, is that you get a lot of details about the guys. You don't get very much at all about the gals. Is that part of the problem of the uncertainty of the legend of Betsy Ross? Absolutely, because at the time, she was just doing her work, and it didn't seem like an important thing to document. So um, m many women, in fact, some of the women um, that were the wives of some of the signers, we don't even know their first name. So there are a lot of, there's a lot of information about women that was never recorded because it wasn't that important. And uh, so, but that's something that's being addressed in these times right now and it's a great time to be a historian because um, more information is available because of the internet things that are sitting in um, libraries and and museums around the world are now being found and being accessed by other people that never would have been found before um, and also so the history of women the history of African-Americans, people of color, um, 
and it's a, it's a wonderful time because we're, we're focusing on it and we're making it accessible to everyone, and there's a lot of exhibits on that to, um, because we have to correct that. But, and one of the things we have to say is we don't know a lot, but this is what we do know, and we're always learning more. Bev, we're three weeks away from the 4th of July. There will be a lot of flags on Main Street. Columbia has its July 4th parade. What should people know about flag etiquette? Well, um, starting with the parade, which we're all really looking forward to, it's wonderful. Um, I've been to every every one of them, and I, me too. <laughs> it's just such an amazing um, event that we have, such a famous parade. Um, one of the things that uh, is important that people don't know is that when a a color guard passes. I mean, there's going to be a lot of flags. There's flags. People put flags on their cars and flags on their bikes. And um, But if there's an actual color guard where people are carrying the flags, goes in front of you, technically you're supposed to stand up and, and put your hand on your heart when, the, when a f- passing flag p- passes in front of you. Um, and a lot of people, at a parade, a lot of people um, don't do that. It's understandable, I guess. Um, some of the common flag etiquette is that the flag should not touch the ground. Um, it should not um, dip. It should always be held high. Um, oh, here's one that is sometimes um, violated at the parade, is that you don't wear the flag as clothing. So, Which everyone does, <laughs> including a few grand marshals I know. Yep. Well, it's not supposed to be worn as clothing or as a cape. Um, but they, but there are clothing companies who do sell, you know, things that are made that look like they're out of flags. It can be stripes, and it can be, you know, red, white, and blue, and it can have blue fields with white stars, but it really shouldn't be the, the actual flag. How about the way you put a flag away? What's the proper way to fold it up? So when people um, put a flag up and... Um, a lot of people put them on their house and leave them up, and actually it shouldn't be left up overnight unless it's lighted. But a lot of the flags on poles are um, raised and lowered, and then they are folded into a triangle. And the way that it's folded is a um, the lengthways is folded into four parts, and then it's folded as um, into triangles. So that when it's totally folded, it resembles a triangle and it looks like a tricorn hat. And it's to honor the patriots that wore those hats when they, when they fought for our liberty. And I hear you have a poem about the meaning of the 13 folds. I do. And, you know, I heard this for the first time at a Memorial Day. I attended two Memorial Day services this year. And this was the first time I heard this poem um, about each fold. So when, when it was read, when it was, the flag was being folded, and it goes like this. The first fold symbolizes life. The second fold represents a belief in eternal life. The third fold is made in honor and tribute of the veteran departing our ranks who gave a portion of his or her life 
for the defense of our country and to obtain peace. The fourth fold exemplifies our weaker nature as citizens trusting in God. It is to him we turn for his divine guidance. The fifth fold is an acknowledgement to our country, for in the words of Stephen Decatur, our country, in dealing with other countries, may she always be right, but it is still our country, right or wrong. The sixth fold is for where our hearts lie. It is with our heart that we pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. The seventh fold is a tribute to our armed forces, for it is through the armed forces that we protect our country and our flag against all enemies. The eightfold is a tribute to the one who entered into the valley of the shadow of death, that we might see the light of day and to honor our mother for whom it flies on Mother's Day. The ninthfold is an honor to womanhood, for it has been through their faith, love, loyalty, and devotion, the character of the men and women who have, to have, who have made this country great and have molded it. The tenthfold is a tribute to Father, for he too has given his sons and daughters for the defense of our country since he or she was first born. The eleventhfold, in the eyes of Hebrew citizens, represents the lower portion of the seal of King David and King Solomon, and glorifies in their eyes the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The twelfthfold, in the eyes of a citizen, represents the emblem of eternity and glorifies in their eyes God the Father. The last fold, when the flag is completely folded, the stars are uppermost, reminding us of our national motto, In God We Trust. That's beautiful and so timely here on Flag Day. Bev, you've got a new project, the American Museum, the America Museum. Just give a little summary for the people about what that is, where it is, and what the America Museum you will be doing coming up this week on Third Thursday. Okay, so the America Museum is a, is a new project. <laughs> it is, um, I'm now working for Wyndham Arts, and uh, we are connected to the um, Wyndham Regional Chamber of Commerce Foundation. And so right now we don't have a home. We are looking for a new spot for this small museum. But the exhibits are to the point, and they are presenting relevant topics um, connected to current events, which will evoke conversation and, dis and discussion. So the one exhibit that I did so far was um, the pandemonium pandemic. It was World War I and the Spanish influenza. So it was connected to the spreading of the um, Spanish flu and how that's connected to the pandemic that we are going through now. Um, the exhibit was in the uh, Veterans Center, which we're looking, we're going to have a new site very soon. It was also exhibited in the mall, and now it's going to be in the Buckingham House in Norwich. My friend Dale Plummer would love to have that exhibit uh, visit Norwich. So, um, so I'm working on some exhibits: the Tuskegee Airmen, the Borkineers, which were the Puerto Rican um, Army 
the, well, United States Army, but a Puerto Rican um, regiment during the Korean War who were um, heroic, and a lot of people don't know about that, uh, women in the military and code talkers. So bringing in um, diversity into our military. So uh, I've been working on a lot of different projects, and one of the things that we're going to do on Third Thursday is we, I'm going to have a little exhibit on Juneteenth. What is Juneteenth? And also, we're going to read the Declaration of Independence. So I've, uh, I heard that the mayor is looking to borrow a wig and a tricorn hat. So I guess he wants to read part of the Declaration of Independence. Um, and then we're also going to have a spelling bee, an old-fashioned spelling bee. So people can come by the Wyndham Arts booth, which is going to be kind of right in front of the post office. And they can sign up if they if youth can be in the spelling bee. We'll have a youth spelling bee, and then we'll have an adult spelling bee. And um, spelling bees are an American thing because the English language is so hard to spell. So they're generally not in other languages, which are easier to spell. I just found this out by researching spelling bees. So they started in 1808, the first one, and it was to promote Noah Webster's dictionary, the blueback speller. Some people might shop, have gone to the blueback shopping uh, area in West Hartford. Well, that's where blueback comes from. That's the name of the spelling book that was all across America in the early 1800s. And one last note, a week from Saturday, you have another event on the Lebanon Green at the War Office. You better spell this one out, too. Okay. <laughs> all right, so... Yes, on Saturday, June 25th. Um, so I've been doing a series called Liberty. Um, Liber, T, capital T-E-A. And um, so these are programs where you're going to learn about one person who's made a significant contribution to our freedom and our liberty. And so we're going to go to the war office. It's on Levin and Green at 10 a.m. on June 25th. And we're going to learn actually more of it than one person. We're going to learn about the Trumbull family. But that was the uh, building, the warehouse of Governor Jonathan Trumbull. And he had a lot to do with providing um, provisions for our troops that helped us to win the revolution. In fact, George Washington said about Jonathan Trumbull, he said, had it not been for Brother Jonathan, the war would not have reached a successful conclusion. And that's Saturday, June 25th on 11 and Green at 10 a.m. at the War Office. Bev, always great for you to brush us up on our history. And today, Flag Day, an important day for that. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much. Our local historian, Bev York, on 14 WILI Willimantic and 95.3 FM.